are listening to the Twin Cities Apologetics Podcast, recorded from the studio of OAC Technology, who provides helpful IT support for businesses. This podcast equips followers of Jesus with apologetics resources to strengthen their faith and build them up as ambassadors for Christ. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Twin Cities Apologetics Podcast. Uh, my name is Jeremy Lin, and I'm here with Jordan um, Apodaca. I can't get that right. <laughs> good, don't worry about it. Like it's, all, it's in, my, in my head the way I say it, but yeah, Apodaca. Close enough. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I, I'm bad at names. So uh, we are here uh, in our second segment talking about apologetics and why it's important for Christians to engage in it. So our first segment, we talked about different Bible passages that mm-hmm. show the need for us to uh, to talk to others about the truth of God and, and Christianity yeah. and engage in that apologetics discussion. Uh, it turns out there's a lot of examples we can look to. Uh, one, yeah. we barely you know, scratched the surface. Yeah, we got we got some passages with commands to to go out and make a defense for Christianity and some examples of Jesus and Paul both engaging in apologetics discussion. Yeah. So it's really cool to see those things. Uh, so now we're going to turn to some objections people have towards apologetics and whether we should be going about that whole enterprise in the first place. Yeah. And uh, we, we talked about in the first segment that Jordan is going into ministry with Ratio Christi mm-hmm. in, in a little bit here. In a month or so, yeah. you're moving to California. Yeah, just like two weeks at this point, actually. Yeah, two weeks. So uh, very exciting stuff, a uh, whole you know, new, new life, <laughs> so yeah. to speak, uh, or a new uh, life direction that God is bringing you down, but a very exciting one. And we're uh, yeah, looking forward to see what God does through that uh, yeah. in Ratio Christi as, as that ministry moves forward. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, uh, so let's move right into um, some objections that people might bring up towards apologetics um, and, and just see what your thoughts are, and uh, we'll go from there. So one thing that people might bring up is the idea, like, you can't argue someone into the kingdom. Uh, proclaiming the gospel is enough. Like, when you talk to people, what you should be doing is you know, sharing the gospel. Yep. and what Jesus and what he's done is death and resurrection. Uh, but this whole argument thing, like that's not going to, you know, save people. It's not going to bring people to Jesus. Yep. So what would you say to, to people who kind of have that mindset towards apologetics? Yeah, that's definitely been my experience talking to Christians, trying to get them excited about doing apologetics, mm-hmm. is there's often kind of like they kind of see it in Scripture, but they're really worried about it maybe going too far, or they're worried that maybe we're kind of, um, giving up on the authority of Scripture. Like, there's a whole kind of cluster of concerns there. But the one that you mentioned is definitely the biggest concern. Just this idea of, like, is it even possible for arguments to actually bring someone into the kingdom? Um, should we be focusing on that when we share the gospel? Mm-hmm. And this objection could be taken in a couple different ways. They could be saying something like, arguments will never be a contributing factor whatsoever in someone coming to Christ. And that's just plainly false, historically. People like C.S. Lewis, people like J. Warner Wallace, whom you mentioned in our last podcast, mm-hmm. these are people who, for whom the evidence and the reasons was a major piece of the puzzle of them coming to Christ. Um, it wasn't the whole thing. It's never the whole thing. But it's a piece. And insofar as it's a piece, it's a piece that we should care about. And then 
but they might not be trying to say that exactly. Um, they could be saying uh, that arguments by themselves will never bring someone into, into the kingdom. Mm. Um, and I just want to kind of compare that to another claim, which would be something like, you can't love someone into the kingdom. It's like, okay, I guess that's technically true. Theologically, like, if God doesn't work on someone, then no matter how much we love them or care in them or just kind of talk to them, that won't really bring them into the kingdom either. But these are things that we've just been commanded to do. Um, and we do so. We love people. We give them reasons for the truth of Christianity in the hopes that the Spirit of God would use those things to bring people to himself. People are, in fact, dead in their sins. Yet the Spirit of God is willing to use a vast number of means to draw people to himself. So there are some people, a lot of people are saved just through kind of a simple proclamation of the gospel. They're told the story of how Jesus came and died for our sins and lived having lived a perfect life and raised from, was raised from the dead and defeated death. And the Spirit of God just convicts them that these things are true and you need to give your life to Christ. And they do. And it's a beautiful story. For some people, though, the Spirit has chosen to use arguments and reason. And in some ways, there can be some personality bias, I think, that goes on. Mm-hmm. People who are more intuitive or emotional or whatever can sometimes lean more towards seeing it as arguments is bad or whatever, but just recognizing that people are different and the spirit is free to use whatever means he pleases to draw people to Christ. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could almost say that someone making that objection is, in a sense, limiting the spirit's power or ability to do things. Yeah. Because it's saying, like, there's this means uh, presenting arguments to people and talking about those kind of deep subjects. Uh, By that means, people cannot be drawn closer to the kingdom. Uh, it's closer to Christ. You know, the Holy Spirit like can't use yeah, that, yeah. that you know that whole area to to, to do that. Hmm. So um, that's the maybe something that this objection opens up. That idea that the Holy Spirit can use several different things to bring yeah. people to to Jesus and you know closer down down that path to to knowing Him. Yeah, and we know from Romans one that people suppress the truth, and one of the things that apologetics can do is to help people realize where they're irrationally suppressing the truth. It can grant people the gift of self-awareness. So there have been times I've talked to unbelievers and I give them reasons to think God exists and they kind of just dig in their heels and the skilled apologist, I'm still learning how to do this, the skilled apologist though can kind of take that and become pastoral in that moment and say, why are you doing this? Like, why are you fighting so hard against where this conclusion seems to lead? and help them see that this is a spiritual dynamic going on here. They're resisting the truth. And so perhaps counterintuitively, apologetics can help sometimes get to people's hearts faster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a very good point. And on that topic of showing people the, let's say, deficiencies in their view, Mm -hmm. there's a very good resource out there. Uh, It's by author Nancy Piercy, I I believe is his name. It might be Pearson, but Nancy Piercy should be it. It's called Finding Truth where she goes through the entire Romans 1 passage and uh, goes basically bit by bit talking about how we can uh, sh- express truth to people who have basically holes in their viewpoints uh, or in their worldview. So that's what I, I was reminded of as you were talking about the Romans 1 passages of people suppressing this truth, something yeah. that might be good for, for people to look into. Yeah. Yeah. Then you mentioned a second idea, kind of when you were originally formulating that objection. Sure. You said that proclaiming the gospel is enough, and 
just that word enough. I've heard that objection plenty of times. Just the proclaiming the gospel is enough. Mm-hmm. And I've always wondered what that word enough is supposed to mean. Like enough for what purpose or enough for whom. Mm-hmm. Um, just think of Thomas. He doubted that Jesus was raised from the dead. So he was told the gospel, you could say. He was told Jesus died and he is risen. And he said, I will not believe. And so then you could ask yourself if you want to play the theologian or play the philosopher. Well, did he have enough at that point to believe? Maybe, maybe not. But what Jesus does is he gives him evidence. He's willing to come up and say, okay, you want to see my the holes in my hands? You want to see the hole in my side? Okay, you can. And so for Jesus, he didn't have this mindset of, well, they have enough. He was willing to go above and beyond. And I don't want to be an enough Christian. We have all been called above and beyond the call of duty to not just, because yeah, proclaiming the gospel, it should be enough. People should be more responsive to the spirit. They should be much more quicker to recognize, yeah, God exists and um, Jesus is the only way to God. The spirit does convict the world of these things, John, Jesus says in John 16. And so technically it should be enough. Mm-hmm. And yet we've been called, we've just been told to <laughs> go above and beyond that and give them reasons and just trust that God will work in their heart through all the different things we can do for them. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and I want to highlight something that Jordan said there, uh, that uh, he said, I don't want to be an enough Christian. I think that's something that uh, we can we can reflect on and, and ask, are there areas where, where that's the case in our lives and yeah. what to do about that? that that's a really uh, good kind of thing to, to think about. All right, let's go on to another objection. And this one is more of a personal objection, uh, not necessarily talking to others, but just someone coming from their... Uh, personal faith Mm -hmm. uh, situation. Someone might say, uh, I just have faith in Jesus, like maybe I've always had it or I've had it for a long time. Uh, I don't don't need to know these things about the the cosmological arguments and these big words, (laughs) like why do I need to know that stuff? Mm -hmm. So what would you say to that idea that, you know, faith, (laughs) I don't want to say enough again, but faith is not, I have this faith and I don't need to know all these things on top of it. Yeah, it can feel like a burden to people, like mm-hmm. homework or something. Sure. Um, and I would say, just kind of soften it right up front, that in the same way, we're all commanded right in Scripture to be generous and giving and loving people. And yet we also see in the lists of the gifts of the Spirit that he's given the gift of giving and generosity to particular people. Mm-hmm. And so I think that God has gifted me in the area of apologetics and being able to make a case for the truth of Christianity in a way that, for example, he hasn't gifted um, just some other churchgoer. Um, and that's fine. He's gifted that other churchgoer in ways that he hasn't gifted me. And God expects us to um, use our gifts as he's given them. But with that said, I think it's really interesting that when you look at what is commanded of every Christian and then what's commanded of just some Christians, um, Apologetics, First Peter, like First Peter five, is the section in the letter where he talks to the elders of the church, and he doesn't give that command to be ready to make a defense to them. Mm-hmm. He includes in the general section of his letter, which means this is for everyone. Everyone is expected to be able to be a case maker for Christ. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing I would say. Just kind of, you have different gifts, but everyone is supposed to do it to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, then the second thing is more of just kind of like, okay, how do we think about faith and what is 
faith and how does that relate to reason? I think that might be part of it. Um, I mean, sometimes people will think and talk about faith kind of like it's this blind thing. Like, the less certain you of, are of it with your head, then that means that the more faith you have. Mm-hmm. And that as you know more, then you have less faith. And I don't think that's a biblical notion of faith. Because um, if it was, Luke would have been doing Theophilus a great disservice in saying that he was writing to give him greater certainty. Mm-hmm. It's like, why are you trying to ruin Theophilus's faith? And that's not at all what's happening. Because faith is much more connected to this idea of trust in God. Mm-hmm. Um, versus like 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We walk by faith, not by sight. Um, it's kind of seen when Job said, though he slay me, I will hope in him. It's kind of this, and Jesus, when he was on the cross, he said, even though he felt forsaken by God, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And so that's where you see that trust, even through the dark times that you're willing to keep on trusting God. Um, Yeah, one definition that I found kind of in a Greek dictionary for the word believe in the New Testament is to consider something to be true and therefore worthy of one's trust, to entrust oneself to an entity in complete confidence. Mm -hmm. So we see that those two ideas come together because you think it's true, you entrust yourself to it. Mm-hmm. Um, some have described faith as a leap into the dark. As was Peter Kreeft who said before that more accurately, faith is a leap into the light. Mm-hmm. There still is a leap because you're still having to trust God throughout your life. But it is a choice to continue living according to what you know to be true, uh, even when your emotions kind of want to lead you astray. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good clarification uh, regarding faith because there can be a confusion uh, between, or a, let's say a contrast between faith and reason that's assumed in an objection like that. that yeah. I have faith, why do I need that stuff? Yeah. Uh, at the same time, I, I see a possible objection or a pushback coming from what you said in that someone could say, well, I have enough knowledge with, my, you know, with what I know right now mm-hmm. to be able to put my trust in Jesus and, and follow yeah. him with my life. So again, maybe for that person, all of these arguments and getting into that might seem extraneous yeah. and unnecessary. So is, is there something that you might be able to, to express to, to someone you know, who isn't in that position where they feel like they, they do know enough to have that trust? Yeah, I would say three things maybe. I might end up saying more or less. I think it's <laughs> gonna be three. Uh-huh. The first is that, that um, it might be solid for you now but there might be times in your life where you start, it's just part of maturing intellectually. Mm -hmm. You might ask more complex questions and you might need to grow in your knowledge Mm -hmm. for your own, um, kind of as a supplement to your faith and your relationship with God. That does, well, let me just clarify this really quick. Sure. A lot of times people feel uneasy because they say, well, doesn't just my relationship with God, isn't that enough to know these things, which is kind of what this is getting at. I think it's really interesting that in John's writings in the New Testament, both in his gospel and in his epistles, he kind of lays out these two ways of knowing the truth of Christianity. He talks about signs a lot in uh, the gospel of John. But then he also talks about having the testimony within you in the, through the Spirit in First John. And so he kind of lays this out as just kind of, it's both and. Like you can know Christianity to be true, that God exists, Jesus rose from the dead, intellectually, purely. Mm-hmm. And you can also know these things through the Spirit entirely. And so you don't have to feel like as one grows, the other shrinks. Mm -hmm. And so with that said, 
four times when your personal relationship with God grows distant for whatever reason, it's good to have those solid reasons you can fall back on. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a very grounding thing for you. And then secondly, (laughs) that was the first thing. (laughs) Second, there might be people in your life who are at a stage of um, asking these questions that you're not. And that's something I've had to learn is to not assume that the things that I find difficult to believe in the Bible or difficult to believe about Christianity are the things that everyone is struggling with. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to be willing to study and research entirely for the sake of someone else. Yeah, and that, that's almost that personal bias that you were talking about before uh, when it came to, oh, the Holy Spirit can't use apologetics. Um, is like maybe this, you know, isn't an issue to you or this particular area or, or objection. It's not, you know, much of a it's kind of an afterthought to you. But for someone else, let's say the problem of evil or yeah. some objections to the, the existence, existence of God is something that could really hold them back yeah. from, from pursuing God and wanting that relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a... I've sort of run in a few different, like, circles of people who are interested in apologetics, and there's a tendency to be dismissive towards certain questions and more mm-hmm. open to others. Mm-hmm. Um, some that people are dismissive of toward our like just issues about Genesis 1 and 2 a lot of people in apologetics either focus way too much on that or they say it doesn't matter at all Mm -hmm. and they're not willing to actually see does the person I'm talking to care about this yeah that's a really good point yeah even from people you know immersed in apologetics that that bias can can take place yeah yeah then the third thing is that's just disobedience Mm -hmm. like we've been told plainly to be able to make a case for our faith to prepare to do it. Mm-hmm. And if you're not preparing, it's just kind of a part of your life to just be thinking through these things. Mm-hmm. And again, just being involved in evangelism and discipleship should kind of keep this on the front of your mind. Yeah. Well, I think everyone's going to want to join Ratio Christi after listening to this <laughs> podcast and all of this great stuff. You should. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. Um, let's get into just one more objection quick, because this is one that, that's kind of interesting to me or that I've thought about before. Yeah. And then we'll go into, um, basically, where do, where do I start with this, this stuff, apologetics, if I want to get into it. Yeah. So let's do like two or three minutes on this, but uh, mm-hmm. the objection is, aren't you worried about philosophy, turning people away from God? There's, there's a passage in the Bible that said, don't uh, go into deceptive philosophy, don't be uh, yeah, you know, led by that. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, so maybe people could look at that and look at students going into the university into, let's say, philosophy classes and mm-hmm. coming out with totally different beliefs. Uh, you know, as we go in deeper in the, these topics, it seems like people are, are actually turning away from Christ. Hmm. Uh, so what would you say to someone who has that kind of concern of philosophy you know, moving people away from God? Yeah. I think that there can be a fear and a lack of faith, ironically, in that very objection it's just kind of this general fear that there's something out there in the world that you think that you're claiming God made that will somehow disprove God's existence. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of, it feels like you know it's a lie. If you're saying, oh, don't don't look at that part. Don't look over here. You'll Mm -hmm. figure out this is all a ruse. Sure. Um, So, no, I'm not worried about it. The heavens declare the glory of God. Romans 1 says it is plain through creation. And so the more that we engage in reality, we should expect and we do find more and more evidence for God. Mm-hmm. The problem is, like Colossians 2 8 warns of, is empty and vain philosophy. That sounds good. They have clever sounding arguments, but it's actually pointing people away. Mm-hmm. But 
here's what I'm actually afraid of the most, even more than that. I'm afraid of parents, Christian parents, thinking that thinking is dangerous for their kids mm. and not preparing them to confront those vain and empty philosophies. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid of pastors continuing to not be trained in seminaries to be able to answer basic objections to Christianity. Mm. A book like Richard Hawkins' books or Sam Harris or Christopher Hitchens, those books should be easily decimated by pastors from the pulpit, Mm -hmm. and yet they're not, and people are leaving the faith because of it. Those are the types of things that I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of there being sharp and young people raised in Christian churches who could have done so much for the kingdom of God, but they leave because nobody took the time to take their questions seriously. Those are the things I'm afraid of. The empty and vain philosophies, they are a threat. They are a danger. Mm-hmm. But the only way that we can beware of those, um, of those philosophies is to first be aware of the truth. You can't beware of something just by hiding from it. You're yeah. much more susceptible to being deceived by philosophy if you don't engage in it in the first place. Yeah, and when you talk about people, let's say, in leadership kind of roles, whether it's parents or, or pastors, yeah. if those leaders don't... Uh, inform, let's say, kids uh, or students growing up mm-hmm. uh, about the different ideas that are out there, yeah. someone's going to inform them of that. And it may not be in as, uh, let's say, safe uh, in environments in terms of being able to um, relay Christian ideas mm-hmm. uh, alongside those, uh, let's say, other ideas and uh, allow so- someone to think through the ideas to see that hey, Christianity does have a place in the marketplace of ideas. It is a reasonable to think, reasonable thing to think is true, even with these different other ideas out there. Yeah, and like Thomas Aquinas, for example, he was part of the Dominicans. And one of the things that one of the early Dominican leaders said about their kind of philosophy of education Mm -hmm. was they wanted to teach their students Aristotle so that they wouldn't try to study him on their own. Just because they knew that it was a tempting thing because Aristotle presented a pretty comprehensive worldview. Mm-hmm. And the picture of God was very different that Aristotle had. Yeah. Um, and so they wanted to kind of make sure that they sort of got to it first. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to put pressure, or no, I do want to put pressure. I don't want to put guilt on leaders. Mm-hmm. For a lot of people, it was just the culture they were raised in too. They didn't know um, that this was even a thing. Most of them, when they kind of find out, they're eager. So I would just love to see more awareness of it. And I would just love to see people kind of take it up themselves because it's not as difficult as they would think. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Uh, Yeah, thanks for going through those objections. And it was really great hearing your responses to them. It helped me to think through some some ways of how I would uh, give a response to to people who say some of these things. So, yeah, thanks for that. Yeah. Uh, So before we go, we've want to talk about where to start with apologetics. Uh, someone who is interested in this stuff and maybe sees that, hey, there's at least some need for Christians to yeah. to go this direction and, and dig into some of that material. Um, what would you say to someone who is in, in that spot and wanting to just start somewhere and mm-hmm. really understand more about apologetics? Yeah, I would say, first of all, just commit right now to just being a lifelong learner. Mm-hmm. It's not you'll never reach a point where it's like, okay, now I've got all of the main issues covered of what people are wrestling with. You don't know what people are wrestling with until you talk to them. And odds are they're going to have some weird thing that you need to spend some time thinking about. Um, so just kind of resolve to be a lifelong learner. Um, 
second, I would say just start reading. Um, there are a lot of great, um, or listening. There are a lot of great podcasts like this one, and like <laughs> William Lane Craig's Defenders class mm-hmm. is really good. Um, Frank Turk has a really good uh, podcast as well, mm-hmm. Capturing Christianity. And then, as far as like a few introductory books to read for someone who's pretty serious, I'd recommend William Lane Craig's book On Guard, um, and then Greg Kokel's book Tactics. Like mm-hmm. those two books together, I think are a really solid foundation, mm-hmm. and you'll be able to find more resources from within those. Um, and then also, in addition to reading and learning for yourself, start talking to people. Um, talk to your atheist friend that you have, mm-hmm. and don't feel pressure to have all the answers before you go in. Mm-hmm. Just start talking and listening and thinking and reasoning, and do what my friend Austin did. Just kind of create a culture within whatever sphere of influence you have of these are things that people can talk about intellectually. Mm-hmm. It's been sad but encouraging the number of people who've told me, like, oh, wow, I didn't know that we could have, we could, that we could talk about Christianity like this, that mm-hmm. we could talk about religion and not get mad at each other. Yeah, it's a new experience. Or maybe people haven't even tried to have that conversation and just think, oh, it's, it involves people just yelling at each other back mm-hmm. and forth. And then when they actually experience that kind of respectful conversation, it's an eye-opening thing. Yeah. Face-to-face conversation is definitely better than online also. Yeah. 90% of the time. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then lastly, yeah. if they're, you're able to find like a local group, like a reasonable faith chapter, a Rosho Christie chapter, or something um, more independent like what you're doing with Twin Cities Apologetics, mm-hmm. just find a community like that. Find a few people within your church that might be interested. Be willing to start small and go for it. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Thanks for that advice. Uh, yeah, hopefully people can start with one of those things and and see what God does with that. Uh, Before we go now, uh, I I was wondering if there was any way that we could support you, whether it's this group or people listening to this podcast. uh, As you're going out into Rostio Christi and having people or conversations with people about (laughs) apologetics and the need for it, along with arguments for God's existence, some of those things. uh, How can people support you in that process? Yeah. Um, I mean, definitely pray for us. Uh, we're going to be moving, like I said, within two weeks. And uh, just pray that the move goes well and that there are a number of like co- re- repairs for my car that I need to get fixed beforehand mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Just a lot of logistics stuff. And then pray for the campus. It's Sacramento State University. Pray that there would be student leaders there who are going to be eager and ready to be engaged. And then just a general openness on the campus to the gospel Mm -hmm. just pray for conversion um and then as far as supporting me and my wife tara specifically i am going to be doing this full-time and so there is an option would you be able to like leave a link or something yeah we'll leave a link by under the podcast caption and also the youtube caption for the video okay perfect yeah there is a link to support us financially either as like a one-time gift or as a recurring and anything from that would be blown away generosity awesomeness yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll post that link uh, under the, the podcast caption. So look for that if, if you're listening to this. And yeah, uh, we would definitely love to pray for you as you continue into this new exciting journey. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's basically what we wanted to talk about with apologetics. Uh, again, we went through some of the biblical passages. If you didn't hear that, you can listen to the first segments of this podcast. And now we talked about objections and places to start. 
So I really enjoyed talking about these things with you yeah. and, and really see your passion uh, for these things. Though God's clearly given you a, a passion for apologetics and uh, for being open to the Holy Spirit's just using you and in, in these different arguments to, to bring people uh, to Christ, yeah. which is really you know what we're here for as Christians. So yeah, just honored to be used by yeah. God. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, um, we are here from OAC Technology uh, in a studio in, in their business. So uh, we really appreciate the, the use of this facility from, from OAC Technology. And if you want to check out uh, our website, go to TwinCitiesApologetics.com. This podcast will be posted there. And uh, again, you can check out the information for, for Jordan's ministry. And it's really an exciting thing. Um, going forward for, for him. So thanks for listening to Twin Cities, Twin Cities Apologetics podcast, and we hope you enjoyed this conversation. So we will see you next time. See ya.